Puerto Rico. I've never. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Neil Brennan. It's the Blocks Podcast. People love it. We heal the earth. You already know what it is. You already know the healing that's happening. My guest today is, uh, you're hard to summarize. Am I? Kind of. You could. I'm not like, I didn't say I'm not gonna. I don't like when people say that. Like, this guy needs to introduce him. Try me. A little bit of an introduction. Uh, Uh, I mean, it's the things that they always, um, it's, it's the amount of records, mm-hmm. which is 12 million, which seems light because it's, you did a big it was 12 single million like 20 years ago. So it must, yeah. it's gotta be, come on. Who, what who, are we talking who, about? Who, who even knows though? Who even knows? Let's double it. <laughs> um, I'll send you a plaque. Okay. You've been a part of my life since, I don't want to say my first memories, but pretty, pretty early looking at some of these songs, like. Uh, I love Rocky Road. Oh yeah, of course. Um, my Bologna, old school. Uh, oh yeah, no, I'm going. And on another one rides the bus. <laughs> Do I need to tell you who it is? Eat it, Eat it. fucking white and nerdy. <laughs> what do you people want? What he do you just, want? He has, he has his own. Bi- he's got two biopics. I learned that on his Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, we knew about the one last year, but there was one in 1985, which is funnier because you hadn't lived any life. Yeah. Uh, that, that one but, doesn't count. Uh, it, okay. Then, um, you, you've erased it from the records. <laughs> I canceled uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, it's weird. Al here is weird. Al Yankovic. Here he is. Weird Al. Hello. It's weird. Al everyone. Please, please sit down. <laughs> yeah. So. Reading your Wikipedia, and we talked about this a little bit, um, is how haphazard life and show business used to be. Yeah. (laughs) We roughly explain to people how you got on. Uh, it's, it's crazy. The fact that I even, uh, have any kind of career whatsoever. I, 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 um, you know, I grew up playing the accordion and, uh, so right there, uh, you know, right there. Yeah. It's the recipe for rock stardom. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I was a big fan of the Dr. Demento radio show and he was okay. Dr. Demento for the young people. It was a weekly radio show and they would play parodies, but they, I heard White Lines on Dr. Demento the first time I've ever heard it. Grandmaster Flash? Yes. So I don't know what he thought it was, but I remember- it was hilarious. And no, it's very funny. <laughs> about, about cocaine addiction? It's one of the funniest <laughs> songs about cocaine addiction there is. <laughs> but I remember hearing it and being like, this isn't funny, no but this is excellent. So I'm wondering, was it all song parodies? It was just kind of like stuff that wouldn't well, not, get played not, anywhere. Not song parodies. I, I think it cer- certainly leaned towards comedy. Uh, although uh, Dr. Demento, a.k.a. Barry Hansen, uh, has a PhD in rhythm and blues music. So he's right. very learned. He he knows his stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, when, when he first started out doing local radio in Los Angeles, it was more of uh, just an eclectic show, for stuff from his personal collection, just random things that he thought people would be interested in. But the, the songs that really lit up the phone lines as they say were the, the funny songs there used to be phone lines <laughs> for the young people listening there were dedicated lines for phone none of it was satellite cables yeah okay and then so you send a song in you saw and again literally i'm like 14 15 years old and i'm, I'm recording a song with my accordion in my bedroom uh, on like a little cassette tape recorder using a 39 cent compact cassette. And they record this horrible song, send it in and he plays it on the radio. And it's the, a live performance. There's no, it's just one recording. Yeah. No, no tracks, no oh, channels. It was bad. It was bad. But, but uh, Dr. Romano said that um, if I was playing the guitar, he would have just thrown the tape in the trash because like, who cares? But this yeah. this kid was like playing the accordion and somehow thinking he was cool. Were you th- always drawn? Did you, was it just, you were, that was the accordion was the, the, the instrument you were given? Was it like a hand-me-down was no, it no that that, a- that said it was it was sort of uh um uh uh there there was in fact a door-to-door uh salesman that came around uh, again that used to be a thing it was actually a thing people would come to your house uninvited and yes. knock on your door and they would and we they wouldn't, wouldn't get shoot shot them. usually no i was gonna go the other way out god damn it <laughs> um uh okay so 
they so you your mom got you an accordion. So yeah, so so the salesman came around offering music lessons, and and the choices were uh, your son could take uh, uh, guitar lessons or accordion lessons. And my parents, being visionaries, and it was the sixties after all, and they thought, oh, young Alfred would love the accordion. Mm-hmm. Like, why not be the life of every party? Yes, this is this is going to be the it's the it's a pussy magnet. Yeah, basically. Son, here we got your pussy magnet. <laughs> there you go. Merry thank, Christmas. Oh, thank you, mom and dad. Thank you. Um, and people don't like you playing the like whatever. It's not it. it you can't even really be in the band, right? No, I that, I learned that very early on when I was like twelve years old. I started. I wanted to like put together a band with some friends, and nobody wanted to be but in my. You band. couldn't even be in the school band. Oh no. You know what there was, uh, you know, I went to this accordion school for three years and every year at Christmas time, and this is a real thing. This actually happened. Was it hard to enter the school with all the women out front? It was difficult. Waiting, I had to make my way through. Waiting to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say, uh-huh. uh, they, they actually had an accordion marching band. So if you can imagine this, like, Fuck. like uh, an army of nine-year-old kids wearing accordions, like walking for miles through and the they're, and they, Christmas did they make a mini accordion or is it there? Well, there's there's different size accordions. In fact, to this day, I, I generally don't play a full size accordion because those are big as a house. And, you know, I, I like to wear it on stage and jump around. And I, I wear um, a, a they call it a student model or the more sexist term ladies model. Uh, Hello. And, and they don't even make those anymore. If, if I want to get a, a an, an accordion that's my size, more often than not, I have to like find it on eBay or Craigslist or the local pawn shop. I feel like you should be able to commandeer any accordion. You should be able to just take anyone with an accordion. You should be able to knock on their door and go give it. Well, I, I bought some accordions on Craigslist. So next time when I show up at their house, I'll say, this belongs to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it kind of does. Because you, no one's ever like if you're synonymous with accordions, stealing accordions, with stealing accordions. Um, I feel like they're all most of the accordions are in Burbank. That's just a hunch. That used to be a big accordion. Uh, that that used to be where I go to get my accordion. I knew that intuitively. Did you? I did somehow, and I don't know why. Ernst Lauer used to be on on a vine. Ernst Lauer's accordion repair, sure, long gone, but old Estonian man. He was like the number one guy. Now it's uh, Dave's accordion school in, in Glendale. If I feel you, if like you need your accordion fixed. You're, these are a lot of listeners live in LA a lot. Don't, but I feel like your head is your headshot up in a lot of places. Are you pretty generous with a headshot? If they ask for one. Great. That was another thing. <laughs> I've that got, I've got a movie do. poster at toy on sunset. Uh, pretty big deal. I think I probably, at, I don't know, some cleaners. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Great. Okay. So, do you feel like I can't believe this is still working? Even when Fat came out. Yeah. What year is that? 88? Yeah. Probably. By the way, you know that My Sharona was the inspiration for Beat It. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, was no, it really? Quincy Jones for said real? it. In it was like, I wanted something like, uh, like a My Sharona. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a thread going through my whole career there. I know. that. I noticed it. I was like, I wonder if you knew that, that they were looking for like a My Sharona type yeah. song. And uh, so you, you owe the knack. A lot. I do, I do. But but you're right, I do have a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, imposter syndrome. No, yeah, I, wait, I haven't wait, even wait, gotten it, to the blog are, shit. Are those words behind my head yet? Yes, yeah, there they are. Oh. Hit it, hit it, Will. <laughs> this guy's got, first of all, give him a weird, just give him ding weird. Thank you, yep. thank you. And then give him, let's start with imposter syndrome, because that is, that's one of your blocks, and I can i not like i believe it you should but it's a it's like a niche that not a lot of people really because i i kind of feel like most people particularly in entertainment uh with the exception of kanye have it at some point or <laughs> another you know i i i just can't imagine but maybe <laughs> maybe i'm i'm uh uh projecting my anxiety on everybody else but exactly yeah but i i really feel like you know it's, it's not, I'm, and this is not false humility. I don't want to say that I think I'm untalented or not, I'm not funny, but there are a lot of talented, funny people in the world. And, and why me? You know, I've, 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 you know, like we talked about, I'm, I was a nerdy kid with an accordion. By all accounts, I should not have had the life and career that I've had. Mm-hmm. I, I feel very fortunate and blessed, but it, it just feels very, very odd to me that, you know, every morning I wake up in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. I'm doing David Byrne lyrics of now, course, but you get, you get the point. So what do you think? What do you make of it? Do you just think it's like the songs are funny, uh, like the songs are unequivocally funny, but the is it just like you got in a jet stream, you providing a service culturally 
and no one really replaced you. Even even people like Lonely Island or like they did they they don't do parodies. I guess they kind of did kinda, a few parodies, like genre like, parodies, things yeah, like genre that. parodies. But I feel like you were doing specific song parodies, which did that exist in much before you well i mean I, I certainly didn't invent it i mean our, our national anthem was a song parody is it really it is yeah uh and uh you know uh, alan sherman who i one of my all-time heroes he of course did a lot of song parodies although most of his parodies were pl- public domain and old folk songs Got and it. like that uh so you know i i just came in uh at a good time i guess i guess i'd be what Malcolm Gladwell would call an outlier because I just struck it exactly the right time. I I got signed like right when MTV started. They needed content. They yeah. didn't have any funny videos. And all of a sudden there was this guy that was making these low budget comedy parodies and like that fed their content stream. And do you, do you feel like you have a good showbiz sense? Because you always had a look. You always were like... It's not like, premeditated, though. Yeah, it's it's I not got calculated. It. It's not like, oh, I'll wear Hawaiian shirts and glasses on a mustache, and that's going to be like the iconic look, well, you know? Yeah, but you were either weird enough or confident enough to not try to change yourself. Yeah, because I was so out of the box anyway. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I just had to go with my gut and just go with my actual personality instead of trying to fit some kind of mold because like from the, from the get go, I, I wasn't fitting any mold whatsoever. So I figured why bother? You wore Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. I like, I like loud shirts, ridiculous shirts. And you know, one, one, uh, tour early on, uh, I, I figured that I should have one ridiculous request on my uh, backstage writer, yeah, like, course. you know, the sure. no green M&Ms or whatever. And I said, okay, give me one like garish loud Hawaiian shirt for every show that I do. And I did like, 200 shows that year so i all of a sudden i had a closet full of hawaiian shirts no, and have you bought do you now people probably send them to you yeah I, I get them you know from from fans and i just you know they they just appear on my doorstep great <laughs> wonderful must be nice yeah it is um and do you you don't seem very neurotic are you neurotic in in subtle ways i mean i don't you know i don't feel like i'm a neurotic neurotic person but i have little impulses here and like there. an OCD kind of thing, or just you have weird well, habits, or maybe that. I mean, you know, it, some people have suge- suggested that I might be slightly on the spectrum. Oh yeah, I took the test. I did you? Yeah, I, I probably should because I I kind of feel like I might be a little bit. I mean, here's what I learned on the so it, it it's a I don't know if it's a fifty point or a hundred point, but the the lowest you can be, the lowest score you can get and be considered on the spectrum as a 26. Mm-hmm. I got a 26. So if You're I answer functioning. Two, yeah, but if, if I have, thank you. If I get <laughs> two, I'm a hero, I'm a hero. Uh, if I get two, if I answer two questions differently, I don't have it. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It's, it's, I, it, once I got the, I got the diagnosis and then I bet if I took it again, I might not have, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. So let's take it right now. <laughs> Come on out. Um, but the but I guess my point is it didn't make a difference. Yeah, it didn't like somebody was saying it's good because it can help explain some of your behavior. But you don't seem racked with, you know, I don't I I, I, <laughs> I, I was single for the 80s and most of the 90s. And I had a lot of girlfriends. I mean, if you're if you're going to be single, it's weird. Al. I'd say the 80s. And the yeah. 90s the time. But I had a lot a lot of uh, women that I was dating at the time suggest that I go into therapy because for whatever reason. And and I would always say, but, but I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what do, they, why do I need to change? Right, why did they? Wh- what was it? I don't know. Like, is everything a joke with you? Is kinda, it really? <laughs> kind of like, uh, yeah. Oh, kind of. A little yeah, bit. Like, yeah. I mean, I like a song parody. Really? <laughs> it's not like a job. I don't know. What do you consider song parodies? But everything is a song parody. <laughs> um, did you, I am curious that, I mean, I feel like a lot of women do that to most guys. Like they, we, everyone could technically be in therapy. Mm-hmm. What, what were you emotionally unavailable? This is yeah. the 80s and I, we didn't even have terms you, back then. You, you see, I, I, I don't like spending money on therapy. So I just go on podcasts. Great. So that works for me. Great. Fantastic. I didn't want to be licensed. So I just have people come on and talk to me about the problems. Now, do you, okay. So when you did fall in love though, mm-hmm. Allison is your wife's name? Suzanne. Suzanne. I, I call her Allison now. <laughs> 
um, who I saw at we me and Weird Al saw each other at a vegan restaurant called Crossroads. Now, did you know at sidebar? Did you know that Crossroads, a, a a vegan restaurant, was one of three restaurants in the entire country that served the Impossible Burger back when it first started? Out? I did. I knew. I did know that three in the country and then like six months later it was a like white castle <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a real delicacy yeah. for a little while uh i did know that and it was funny to ex i went there with a woman and it was funny to explain to she was british and it was funny to explain to her who you were and i was like he would do like uh eat it oh like the baron knights <laughs> and like uh fat and uh uh white and whatever I, the funniest story is I told her your Kurt Cobain story, mm -hmm. which if you would tell the people quickly. Once again, when, yes. Or the, the one I think you're talking about is when I got permission for uh, Smells Like Nirvana, uh, I, I wasn't, my my manager wasn't getting through to their people. And he said, it's up to you, you know, stalk Kurt Cobain, track him down, see if you can get him to orally agree to having you do the parody. I love orally. It was a different time. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> better than the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, had a, I had a friend uh, on the cast of Saturday Night Live and I, I called up and said, if you can get Kurt Cobain on the phone, put him on the phone because I would love to talk to him. You know, this is the first time Nirvana played Saturday Night Live. Yep. I, I heard after the fact that Kurt may have been... On the Friday, he went and got heroin. Yeah. yeah. Yes, on the Lower East Side. So that might have affected that, his decision. I, that I don't story. know. Yes. <laughs> but but I called, I talked to him on the phone and he, he, I said, listen, I, I'd like, like to do a parody of um, your song Smells Like uh, uh, Teen Spirit. And he said, oh, is it going to be a song about food? <laughs> And I said, no, it's going to be about a song about how nobody can understand your lyrics. And he said, okay, yeah, great. That's funny. Fantastic. I'm going to go do some heroin. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, if you'll excuse me, um, I have a date with destiny. Um, guys, you know how tickets are scary? Like fright, frightening? Like I went to a haunted house and it was all just tickets chasing you around. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. George Lopez is going to be at the, the Yamava Theater. Here's a good George Lopez story. Um, remember that joke I used to do about the last day of slavery? So I George had seen me do the joke, and I didn't know him well at all. And like a month or two later, he texted me. And he's like, hey, do you have a joke about Mexicans and slavery? And I was like, yeah. And he's like... Oh, all right, then I'll cut mine. He was getting ready to do an HBO special and he cut a joke out of like a very, very nice, decent thing to do and a, and a rare thing to do. So let's reward him by going to see him at the Yamava Theater, huh, guys? Royal and the Serpent. The picture of the lady, I'm assuming she's royal. It's that thing where she's like covered in streaks of mud, which I don't like. I don't think it's sexy. I don't think it's interesting. And it's also like, what are you implying? What did, what did you get into? Or did you get into the syrup? Again, who are you and who let you into the syrup? Basketball, Rockets at Lakers. Rockets, good now. Better, they got that that Ime Adoku fellow, the guy who, who uh, he's got someone called too much game and had to leave Boston because he had too much game. And so now he's with Houston and uh, he's doing good. He's a good coach. He is to basketball what he also is to women. So good for them. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right after the start of the event and even worse, an hour after it starts. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code BLOCKS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem BLOCKS. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices. A ga ga ga. Ha ga ga. Ha ga ga. Ga ga ga. Ga ga ga. Hey, what do you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Someone who speaks two? Bilingual. Someone who speaks one? American. Oh, burn. Only 22% of Americans speak a language other than English at home. Start learning a new language this fall and winter and be the exception, not the rule. Because with Babbel, you start speaking a new language in just three weeks. This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. Why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor 
or fooling yourself with language apps that are a little more than games. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. I'm going to Paris in a few weeks, and I have been doing Span uh, Piquito, Espanol. Uh, I'm not even gonna tell you what it means. I'm gonna lord it over you. Um, you'll never figure out what Poquito Espanol means. So I gotta put my Espanol down, and I gotta pick up French quickly just so I'm not a fool while I'm there. So I'm gonna cram a little bit because I got time to cram. Just filmed a new special. Now I sit back and 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 uh, start over terrifyingly. So I'm gonna try to do like three weeks in one week. So wish me luck. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash blocks. Babbel.com slash blocks. And I'll see you in Paris. Over here, we call it Paris. So don't tell me. I may not even need it. I know so much French. All right. So the imposter syndrome, what's nice about getting to a point in your career I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I can just about get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. Like the imposter syndrome, I can be like, okay, I was an imposter and I got away with it. Like, I feel like when you get to a point where you could just be like, I'm retiring or something and you don't like, need to worry phew. about being, yeah, you don't <laughs> I'm need done. To, yes. You don't need to worry about I'm, being I'm an approaching imposter. the finish line yes, now. You're getting away with the jewels yeah. on your, on your speedboat. So what I'm saying is retire. Okay. Um, no, but what I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it, but, but I mean, even to this day, like, you know, I, I have moments in my life where I really, I, I told this story on, on Seth's show, but, uh, Seth Myers, sure. uh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I told about like on this last tour, uh, I played Carnegie hall, which I'd never played before in my life. And it was a big deal for me. I yeah. mean, you know, it was Carnegie hall. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I talked myself, uh, into not being nervous about it because, you know, something I'd wanted to do my whole life. And, uh, I thought I, it was the end of a long six month tour. And I was like, it's just, I I'd like show. to interrupt and right. say that someone I know saw your show in the 90s and said it was one of the best shows he ever saw. Oh, nice. Yes. Heath Seifert was his name. And he nice. said well, he saw you, so you at, at Universal in Orlando. Nice. There was like a adult island and that you did oh, a show uh, at. Par that paradise? Something. Uh, so it's Something. no longer there, I'm sure. Yes. No, don't look for it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So great show anyway so, so yeah so um so i, I finally show up uh, at carnegie hall and i'm trying not to be nervous about it just another show just another show and i walked down the hall and there's like floor to ceiling pictures of you know frank sinatra and judy garland and the, the beatles and i'm thinking okay i don't belong here what am i doing here but you know some of them didn't either well <laughs> you don't think well, not you know, I, I don't I don't even feel I, I don't even feel like I deserve to be on this show, honestly, because I, I looked at some people that, that you've had on and even to be mentioned the same breath as Steve-O. I mean, it really I mean, what an honor it, it really is. Am so I, I appreciate right, folks? that. Um, the, good. I didn't know who you were going to say. And <laughs> you you picked a funny one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, but I, I guess it's you, you did it. Is how I feel. It's like, I don't know, man. You, Are we done? Can we do yeah, this? No. <laughs> oh. Steve. Steve. -o, All right. Please. Um, <laughs> you must have, you must have done something is, would, would be my argument with the imposter syndrome in your head. I must have done something right. You must have done something yet, right? Yeah. yeah like, no, if, I like, if it, you, like, it's, like I said, I'm, I'm not saying that like, you know, I, I entirely don't deserve it because I, I do feel like, you know, I, I bring joy to some people and, yeah. and, uh, some. you know, some, some, not all. I, I, I'm on social media. I know You're I don't no bring joy to all people. You're no Steve-O. I know Steve-O. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, um, yeah, I, I've done a few things right in my life. But yeah. I, again, uh, I'm, I'm just very grateful because I, I kind of, uh, deep down inside, I kind of feel like I just kind of don't deserve the life that I've been lucky enough to have. Okay, if you look back on your life, is there any inkling at all that it would be this? Because I know when people go like, I'm shocked, I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed by, I, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I know for myself and friends, it's been like, you've always had a little suspicion that you could do something. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you had that or if it was just like, there must've been some part of you that thought, 
I'm worth recording and sending in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I figured, you know, I was young at the time. I was in my early 20s. And I figured, you know, I don't want to be an architect, which is what I got my degree in. And I thought, yeah, I'll give this a shot. You know, what's the worst could happen? Like, yeah. you know, I'm already like unpopular and not famous and and nobody likes me so what's the worst yeah. that could happen yeah uh and yeah it was it was odd for me to to put myself out there like that and uh, when i signed my first record deal in 1982 uh it was the initial deal was for 10 albums which doesn't mean they're gonna make 10 albums that's just their draconian way yes. of saying if by some crazy yeah if you're good you owe us yeah you owe us it, we own you uh, but that, that was it. We all kind of laughed, but like 10 albums <laughs> and it's been 14, you know, same, same label. Same, well, cause they, they, it's the same contract, but they, uh, renegotiated it twice. Uh, so in 2014, uh, I delivered my 14th album. So after 32 short years, I finally fulfilled my recording contract. How many points you get? kidding. <laughs> um, I am curious as to what kind of deals what, okay, let me ask you that. Do you remember the advance you got uh, on your not first specifically, deal? Specifically, but it was virtually nothing. It was um, I, I, it was one of those kind of things where uh, I was working for minimum wage in a mailroom at the time, mm -hmm. and the choices were continue working in the mailroom or take this horrible deal. Yes, and also I, minimum wage. I prefer wage. the latter. Okay, so that's and what kind of budgets would you have for the albums? Well, the recording studio for my first several albums were actually. Uh, in the uh, record company's offices. They had their own recording studio. Okay. So it wasn't like they had a big uh, out-of-pocket budget. It was okay. like, oh, come record here. We've got our own engineer. I'm sure they charged you. Oh, if I yeah. know anything about oh, the record no, no, business, no. I'm sure Absolutely. they charged you. Absolutely. It's, it's like uh, against royalties. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Uh, so, so for the first decade or so, you know, I, I remember very clearly, like after Eat It hit, it was an international big hit. Yes. Uh, and some... Uh, some uh, uh, interviewers came to where I lived to get, you know, do an in-depth uh, 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 article on me. And they came to my place uh, on Gramercy Place, uh, a one-bedroom house or apartment with a Murphy bed that folds out from the wall. I mean, just like, yeah, like, like, like I was a squatter. Yes. But like, you know, like they, I, they didn't give me a big pile of money when I signed a record deal and I didn't see any royalties for years. So I was still living like I was living when I was working in the mailroom. Yeah. How was it dealing with Michael Jackson? Uh, he was great. Um, you know, uh, it, I, I never thought that he'd give his blessing or permission. It was one of those shots in the dark. Oh, let me ask you a question. Would you make the songs first and then send them? Um, in like in that case, in, in the case of eat it, I, I don't exactly, I, I think maybe I already had the song written at that point. Uh, and I've learned over the course of my career not to do that because sometimes they'll, they'll say no. Yeah. And that's a lot of wasted effort. Yes. Uh, so now I would just, you know, pitch hours. them an idea. What do these songs hours, take? Hours, hours two of hours, two hours per song. That's your multiple hours. Yes. That's your, yeah, you need for the time away. <laughs> um, oh, and so he, so you sent it to him and he was like, oh, that's funny. You can, yeah. And then he asked for an ungodly amount of money and it, it, was, it wasn't that it, it was, uh, no, I mean, it, it, he had a actually a great sense of humor about it. In fact, right. when, when we did the, um, uh, the fat video, uh, we found out that Michael Jackson set from, from uh, his, uh, he did like a, a version of bad called baby bad or bad or whatever for his moonwalker video, which is like the fat, the bad video recreated with kids. So that existed at a full soundstage in Culver city and they were about to strike it. And we said, no, 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 no. We want that. Can we please use your set? And you and he let us use. You guys your were set. like, "Don't." That's evidence. That's, <laughs> um, never said that, uh, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um, okay, so did with the imposter syndrome, you just kind of you waited it out. I did. I, you know, it's. Would it, would you? Okay, let me uh, let okay. me say this. You seem to take long breaks. Although you made fourteen albums, so some hit and some don't. I guess. Yeah, because from to my cultural radar, I wouldn't hear from me for a while, and then it'd be like, "Oh, white and nerdy." Oh, great! Like he's still Weird Al, still in circulation. Well, that, like, that's great. an interesting phenomenon where, uh, for virtually every album that I put out, most people consider it a comeback <laughs> because you know, and it's not like I spend. Well, sometimes I spend years between albums, but I, I was putting out albums fairly regularly for a while. But because uh, the music that I do is considered the domain of one-hit wonders, people just kept waiting for me. They're, they're amazed that I just wouldn't go away. Yeah. You know, every time I'd come back, they go, 
he's back yeah like they're very surprised did you i it seemed pretty clear to me you had no other skills yeah there was nowhere to go <laughs> i got nowhere else to go <laughs> yeah i mean for, basically for, I, I, I know. uh so and do you are you tenacious are you competitive do you take that as a challenge the one hit wonder um rubric maybe a bit i mean i'm I'm not one of these kind of people that's motivated by oh i'll show yeah. him yeah but uh but yeah i i i i walked into it knowing knowing full well that like i better like grab the brass ring every time it comes around because this is going to go away it's, it's it's ephemeral what i'm doing you know i might have an album or two and then i'll probably go away so i just went gave it everything i had every time out it's a good policy yeah um and it seemed to work i mean you know um because in the 80s I, I think i put out an album virtually every year uh and then after a while i started to relax a bit and like oh maybe i maybe i can stick around for a while and then i would spend two or three or longer between albums just when, when i realized that you know most people probably weren't going to entirely forget who i was i can't <laughs> neither can i i trust me i've tried <laughs> um you know I, you know the, the, the weird thing about the, the imposter syndrome thing is like um this is kind of a weird dark thought, but sometimes I feel like a make a wish kid. <laughs> like, like I feel like, do you remember Bat, Bat Kid? You remember Bat Kid? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that sometimes like people are just humoring me. Like when they're like super, super nice to me, I'm like, Oh, let's just, I'll pre let, let I'll pretend that he's a rock star for that's 40 so years. Funny, dude. You know what? The bad kid I always see as like, that's what most celebrities are treated like every day <laughs> where it's like you, we got you, especially like I'll do commercials for, um, with athletes for their shoe uh-huh and at a certain point i was like this is just like a bar mitzvah kid we're like <laughs> and we have things about your mom we put your granny's name on the insole and the coach from it from fourth grade the iron sharpens iron right here there's a uh, biblical reference we tried to do like a, a little bit of black history month a lot of the symbols a lot of the names on it the connections to different cities it just it just all started to make sense and just like this is just like this embarrassing thing where they're trying to flatter one person yeah and uh and so yeah you in most people in showbiz are in a, some form of bat once you have people working for you you've got it's a like oh uh, it's another <laughs> it's lucky hit. day yes another hit <laughs> um all right you have on here general social awkwardness yeah well you know we discussed i i am i was and am a nerd uh and that's okay now but uh being a nerd in the 70s was not particularly cool nobody in the 70s was bragging about their nerd cred correct that was that yes. was not a thing you know you didn't have supermodels saying oh i love nerds i'm such a nerd i'm such a nerd uh that did not Chelsea happen Peretti did a joke where she was like yeah do you love nerds Go have sex with this guy with cystic acne on his back. <laughs> do you love nerds? Um, do, yeah. So it's funny. That's another thing that you sort of outlasted. In yeah, because around way. around uh, 2006 ish, yeah, uh, uh, there was like you know uh, a bit of a paradigm shift, and that people are like, oh, nerds aren't so bad, or nerds are cool. When or, everyone was on a computer once yeah, and for all. Yeah, so that on that, their phone and on their computer that helped a lot. But it, it, it also didn't help that growing up, like when I was 15 years old, I looked like Napoleon Dynamite. Great. I mean, for, for I, I showed Jared Hess, who directed the movie, I yeah. showed him a picture of me as a teenager. He's like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> like everyone says they look yeah. like him. You did it. <laughs> Um, uh, but I couldn't dance. That was the thing. Well, not as cool as Napoleon. Um, I would assume fame made you better with with uh, well, that, interaction that, for sure. And you're dude, you're funny. So like, well, like, what do you? The good thing about comedy is it kind of bails you out of social situations. Yeah, kind I mean, of, I believe it's the point. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, yeah, the fame definitely did help because like you know I'm I, uh, inherently a very shy, withdrawing kind of person, as, particularly when I was younger, uh, and you know I, I would never like go up to people at parties and introduce myself and put myself out there. But, well, they wouldn't invite you. No, th that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't have even been there in the first place. <laughs> but when I was twenty three, twenty four, and, and start, starting to get semi famous, people would actually approach me, which meant that I could like you know meet people, which yeah. was a whole different yeah. thing my life were you lonely because uh, at a certain point you kind of have to decide like am i gonna 
I am I going to take matters in my own hands yeah. and just sort of try to overcome this feeling? I don't know if I was, you know, d would define myself as lonely because I was always a pretty happy guy. I mean, I, you know, I'm an only child and I was used to being by myself and that was sort of like the world that I was comfortable yeah. in. So I didn't, you know, I, I, I could live in a cave. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind that kind of lifestyle, but I like people. I like to be around people. So I like that too. Like you, do you prefer it? Would you say? I don't know. Again, it's introvert, extrovert is yeah. overused, but like, do you, when you, do you leave parties energized or do you feel like, whew. That's a whole different kind of social anxiety because uh, these days, you know, and this, you know, this, this is maybe a little bit of my neuroses coming to light is, uh, you know, I could be at a party with uh, people I love, like old friends of mine and uh, I love them and they love me. And I feel, you know, I come up. A compulsion to leave because I feel like oh they like me now it can only go downhill from here yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll mess I'll screw it up somehow so you, you know? say hi to everyone and then you just like, keep yeah, going right go. out the door yeah great the grandpa love you bye yeah do you get nervous just interacting with people or is it pretty like because I feel like it, uh, my experience with fame is it is a bit of a customer service job uh-huh where you just go like hey what do you need need a photo Let's get you a photo. Yeah. And then you take the photo and you go, Sona, and then they tell you what they're going to say. You go, great. Uh, that, which obviously puts it in a container. Yeah. When you get into friends, is it, what's the, do you, are you a like talk on the phone guy? I suppose so. I mean, I, I don't do a whole lot of that. I mean, you know, not, now no, very few people the, the, do. Very few I'm, people talk on the phone now. So on, only if I need to get let into a building, uh, <laughs> he was calling me <laughs> to get into the building. Um, but, but yeah, um, now it's more text and email. Yeah. Are you and your wife communicating all just ongoing, ongoing, ongoing? Oh yeah. We live in the same house. No, I know. But some people live in the same house and some people live in like separate I'll, parts I'll, I'll, of I'll the same I'll text house. her from the bedroom. She'll be in the living room. <laughs> right. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, do you, is it an ongoing dialogue throughout the day? More or less. I mean, she's an only child as well, okay. so she's she's okay being in her own world. So we we have you know big stretches of time where we're not mad at each other, but we just kind of stay in our own little yeah. circles and we do our own thing. And and then you know we get together. We we've been doing this thing where we go for a walk every single night for like right. four miles and have long talks. And four it's, miles. It's, yeah. Where you live in Pasadena? No. Where do you live? Like, uh, L.A. We walk in like Beverly Hills. Pretty must be nice. <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills is hilariously nice. I've never been. Really. Do it. No, if you've never been. Oh, if you oh, I took the British woman to Beverly Hills, and it ah. was like, it's so I forget. It's like heaven on earth when it's sunny and like in the seventies and low eighties. It's what you want. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, war. It's uh, the Warren Beatty movie, the football movie, uh, Heaven Can Wait. I feel like production design. It was like that's it's Beverly Hills. Mm. Thanks for your um encouragement. <laughs> uh, love that movie. Did you see it? No. It was but like by, you could description, have. I love it. You could have. I could have seen it. You were an adult. You were there. It was the seventies. You could have. You there was nothing else going on. It was either <laughs> that or smoke cigarettes because we know you weren't partying. Nope. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. We have a block, guys. Uh, Fear of confrontation. Oh. <laughs> You, know, you I, don't even like hearing about it. I, I don't know if it's so much fear as it, it is just something that I don't like. I just, you don't like tension. I don't like tension. I don't like to get in people's faces. I don't like, you know, it, it, I, you know like on social media, mm -hmm. like um, I obviously, I, you know, I don't use social media as much as I used to. But even back in the day, I never discussed politics or religion or anything remotely controversial. And. I mean, there's a pragmatic reason for that because you don't want to alienate half your audience. Yeah. But more more than that, I, I just didn't like, you know. When they find out you're Republican. Go ahead. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like. You uh, were saying. Go ahead. <laughs> thank you. I just, I just I didn't like confrontation. Um, it, and, I, and I have friends. I have a lot of friends that just thrive on your that. Your gun is in the safe. Yeah. When, when we're done here, I'm going to give you back your gun. You can go back. <laughs> no you problem. Can walk back into the streets <laughs> no. with your gun out. With his gun out. <laughs> Who does that? Um, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like it is. I don't. I'm more itching for a fight naturally. So mm -hmm. I don't mind confrontation. I don't mind uh, disagreement. Yeah, there are people like I mean, people like you, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like getting in flame wars. I don't like people 
not liking me and yeah. i just and i'd rather just kind of like why you know if you if you take my parking spot at at a uh, uh, trader joe's i'll just may, maybe roll my eyes that's about as much as i'll do if you're in a horrible mood yeah you'll if roll I, your I, eyes well you know i i um i deal with anger and i don't know if it's a health probably not a healthy way but i i I never yell at people ev- ev- un- unless it's like as a joke and we're both in on the joke. Right. Uh, but I've never, I don't think I've ever yelled at somebody in anger. When, if I get like really angry, um, I'll, I'll get very quiet. I'll just like let it eat me up on the inside. Fantastic. It's great. What a policy. <laughs> um, I'm a yeller and I regret every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I grew up, I'm one of 10 kids, Irish Catholic, yelling so much yelling yeah so i thought that that's the way to that's do how you it. do it yeah like so i thought that's the way you do it and it's not <laughs> turns out <laughs> turns out it isn't oh. um i i, yours I is, there must be some happy medium between do you communicate your issue with people well yeah and and sometimes it's really effective um like um uh, I heard on another uh, a podcast uh, an interview with Dan Butts, who's an old friend of mine, and he's also the um, uh, um, art director for a lot of my music videos. Mm-hmm. And uh, a l- number of years ago, he did something on a set where he really messed something up badly to the to point where we had to fix it in post at a considerable expense. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I I don't remember. You garnished how we, his wages, is yeah. what I understand. No, no, no. no but but I yeah, remember yeah. I, t- I talked to him on the phone. Uh, after the and he remembers this a lot better than I do, but he says that I called him up and and I said something to, to the effect of I'm not angry, Dan. I'm just very disappointed. <laughs> and it was traumatic for him. He was like, I've never heard Al lose it like that. Yeah, was like, yeah, like the most I've ever been like dressed down by Al. And and were you angry? And did you let it eat you, or did you just do you get through it? quickly i got through i mean it was like a, it was a bummer and you know i i know know that he didn't do it on purpose yeah and and you know he you know you danced a little close friend and it was it wasn't a, i mean we it cost us a lot of money but but you know i i told him like you messed up and he yeah. acknowledged it and moving on yeah um i i'll tell you what i would have done it would have he would have done it intentionally and i'm telling you about my inner monologue uh-huh. he did this intentionally <laughs> everyone's trying to fuck me all the time life's trying to fuck me despite the mounds of success and everyone's trying to fuck me all the time and uh and i would have thought the i have i owe it to him to yeah or i owe it to myself to yell at him mm-hmm. this will be my revenge but again it it doesn't work do you think I should like revisit this with him? I think <laughs> you're, there's a lot of meat left on that bone. Okay, you could, you, I would be bringing Let's it call up him right now. <laughs> I'd be bringing. I'd be waiting to bring it up. Like this is just like the fucking whatever. <laughs> um, but I had a interesting Al. I had an interesting thing happen. Was on MDMA. Don't do it. You wouldn't like Molly, like the kids say. Yeah, 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 yeah. They now they've gone back to MDMA. Okay, they've gone like past, um, because everything's science and Uh psychology now. Um, (laughs) everything's healing. Um, and I had I was thinking about my multiple enemies, my enemies list, and uh, got to keep that list. Okay, you have to. Um, or as you call it, the disappointment list. Um, (laughs) and I had uh, no problem forgiving them, right? And then a couple days later, I was like, I had, when I was flooded with oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine, it was very easy for me to forgive people, right? And then I thought about what I'm like most of the time. And what I realized is I don't have enough good chemicals. So most of my, the chemicals in my brain are cortisol and adrenaline. So that's why I'm yelling. That's why I'm petty. That's why. And I'm like, you need I'm the gonna... right drugs. That's your I, whole thing. I know. I know. So, but I've been, I've been on SSRIs. I've been on everything, but I'm saying I realized what I consider my personality is not even my personality. It's just the chemicals on hand. So who are you really? There's no way of knowing. I was hoping you could help. <sighs> if you're just joining Let's us, peel that onion. 1-800- 
Um, no, but I, so I'm realizing that what I consider my personality or the parts of myself I don't, I really don't especially like, I, I don't even need to engage with them. So the last week I've just been not engaging with, I feel like I have a kitchen in my brain and it's giving, it's serving mercury sandwiches and I'm like, I'm just not going to eat it. Wow. Yeah. That's frightening me now. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, it's, are you, are you dangerous? Should I no, be? No, I'm not. Okay. I, I'd sound sociopathic or something, but it's, I'm just not indulging the part of myself that I've acid in my brain that wants to eat people. Ooh, that sounds like, kind of cool. Basically, actually. Yeah. Now it's, now I've made now it sci-fi. Cool. Yeah. Now I made it sci-fi. Um, <laughs> uh, I, that it just wants to destroy people and criticize and enemies and you did this and vilify. And I, and then eventually, believe it or not, turns on myself. I'm trying to stop. And I, I support you. Thank you so much. Tell me more about this uh, movie from the seventies. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Thanks to ShipStation for sponsoring the show. The holidays are the busiest time of the year. Don't get stuck worrying about shipping orders. Let ShipStation do the heavy lifting so you and your team can put your time, money, and energy into more important things. Plus, when it comes to those inevitable holiday returns, ShipStation automates, recommends exchanges, and gathers customer feedback. So even if they bought the wrong size or color, they'll still have a great experience. Whether you're shipping from your house or multiple warehouses, ShipStation can increase your holiday profitability. Don't do drugs, guys. Don't sell them. Don't use ShipStation for drugs. Not legal. Again, I'm always talking about this. They sent me vinyl copies of Blocks, a box of 300 vinyl issues of the Netflix special Blocks, right? And they're just sitting in my living room. So I really have to figure this out. Like, it's getting sad. I have to, like, actually do ShipStation. Like, I have all the stuff. I've done a couple things, but I, I need to really use that. Easily automate shipping tasks and manage orders on their app. They have a super easy to use dashboard you can easily automate shipping tasks and manage orders and returns in one place you can quickly and easily update crucial order information and reduce errors effortless integration everywhere you sell online including amazon etsy ebay shopify and more shipstation manages orders prints labels compares rates optimizes every shipment and automates delivery notifications automate returns and offer custom smart recommendations for exchanges to keep customers happy. And of course, simplify and automate your shipping no matter how big your business grows. ShipStation has enterprise solutions that reduce warehouse costs and improve profitability. ShipStation's robust automations and reporting makes scaling easy. And as your business grows, you can save thousands on shipping costs. Over 130,000 companies have scaled their e-commerce business with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life, L-Y-F-E. Let your customers shop risk-free this holiday season with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com and use code N-E-A-L today, pretty clever, and sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code N-E-A-L. ShipStation, don't use it for drugs, you're going to jail. Support for today's podcast comes from Marine Layer. It's official, I'm cute. Do you see this shirt, guys? It's a cute shirt. You know where I got it? Marine Layer is where I got it. Uh, you see how it's like a nice cut and a nice fit? I'll tell you why. It's because they have they have good uh, sizing thing. They have like small, medium, large, and then they have like it's medium, large, et cetera, et cetera. They, it's like incredibly soft, and I don't say that. I don't look. I wouldn't say that if I if it wasn't. It's like really, really soft. Like it's insane. I got. This, I got uh, a long sleeve shirt. I got a uh, Henley, the one with the three buttons at the top. I've been wearing, can I say I've been wearing the living shit out of it, out of it all? If anyone's been with me and they haven't been, but I've been wearing it. Keep My dog Keith will swear that I've been wearing this stuff and I'm wearing it right now. Like genuinely looks good. I look, don't, you can't front on this. I look cute. It's time to invest in a wardrobe that will actually last for a limited time. My listeners get an exclusive 15% off discount with code NEAL15, NEAL15 at Marine Layer, M-A-R-I-N-E-L-A-Y-E-R.com. I stand by it. I guarantee it. 
It's a good shirt. They got good colors. This is about as cute as I'm going to look. You see the tone of my cheeks and the shirt. It, ah, that's code N-E-A-L-1-5 at marinelayer.com. Go be a part of the magic. Look and feel like your friend, Neil. Not written, guys. That's off the top. Oh, all right. We've kind of covered this one. <laughs> okay. But pressure to make a comeback slash stay relevant. I, I have a creative question, which is how do you decide? Is it a matter of a song being popular and then going, uh, now I'll consider it? Or is it just you think of a funny parody the first time you listen to it involuntarily? What's the, is it different for everyone? Uh, yeah, you know, I haven't uh, had my antenna out for parodies for, for a while, but b- back when I was um, more prolific. Well, since me too, you can't have your antenna. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Guys, I do comedy from time to time. Yeah. It seems like I'm a lot of, about MDMA and yeah. healing. No, yeah, it's comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. dick jokes. Uh, you I haven't f- had your antenna out. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, back back when I was doing it, basically, I would be scanning the Billboard charts and looking for songs that are good contenders for parodies. And then for every song that I thought might be a good candidate, I would come up with 100 ideas for it. And um, maybe one of those would be kind of good. So, uh, so I would do that. And it's, it's not would often you pitch them to somebody. I'd pitch them to whoever's in the room with me, like my yeah. wife or whoever. And they, if they don't like it, I'll go like, well, how many Grammys do you have? Great. See, now you're now you're playing my game. <laughs> yes. Now you're working the Neil Brennan system. <laughs> NBS. <laughs> um, are you okay? So it it so why haven't you had your antenna out? Um, you know, well, um, like my last album uh, debuted at number one, mm-hmm. which was a big deal for me. It was the first album in fifty years that had a comedy album that had. Uh, been on the Billboard charts. Yeah. And it was the last album of my contract. And uh, I kind of felt like, well, there's a number of reasons. The number one is like, I felt like, well, that's a nice mic drop. Like, yeah. what am I going to, my next album's not going to go down to number one, certainly. So it'll be a disappointment. So why not like go out on top? Yeah. So that's, that's like number one. Uh, also, there's just a, num- a number of factors like, like YouTube is, is plur- uh, proliferated and, and for every pop song that comes out, there's a hundred song parodies for that In, song. In like the first 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, how do you compete with that? I mean, you know, and I certainly can't go for low-hanging fruit because the most obvious idea has already been taken. Like, mm-hmm. there's the same way that, that social media has, like, ruined talk show monologues because, like, all the topical political jokes, somebody's already made them. Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And uh, the monoculture is 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 eroding because, like, in the 80s and 90s, a lot of people listened to the same music and watched the same music videos, and now uh, not so much. So it's, it's a little harder to tell what the... the, the um, big pop songs are in fact on social media uh even when my last album came out i was seeing comments like oh i just found out that i'm i don't know what song al is parodying years old yeah yeah people like you know it, it's it's harder to like zero in on like you know yeah. they're, they're obviously still hit songs and and major superstars but you know what might help do you do you speak korean not well because the k-pop market oh yeah is ripe go ahead all right so so what do you feel like uh so do you feel like you won't make albums anymore i said i I pretty much said that uh in 2014 like i'm pretty sure this is my last album and uh i'm kind of doubling down on that because i really don't think i'm going to be doing any more you know conventional albums per se Uh, another reason is uh, albums are not like money makers like they were in the 80s and 90s like streaming pays like next to nothing and people aren't really buying albums so much unless you're taylor swift right uh so i still tour a lot i love doing that um and same hair same you know that's that's great but uh yeah it's just uh not something i guess and i still put out the occasional single i'm still you know put myself out there but waiting until i have 12 songs and put them putting them out all at once feels like an outdated business model to me kind of did it feel like well i feel like you were like a largely a singles person anyway right like that was kind of the that always felt like the business model even though it yeah. wasn't it, it, per se. it pretty much was because i mean novelty songs which is a, sort of a derogatory term but that's what it was i mean that's basically a singles kind of business and which is also why albums were not the the best place to do that because if i had a great idea for uh, 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 a single and it was topical i'd go oh great now i just need an, uh, 11 more songs so i can put this <laughs> yeah out, yeah you know what do you make of your Obviously, it's money and survival 
is there a, a emotional appetite for relevance? Do you think? Uh, you know, like anybody, you know, yeah. you know, uh, that's it's sort of like my least favorite insult online like you know oh you're not relevant anymore like and they say they say that about any uh anyone any they say comedian about or anyone, movies, yes. anybody that hasn't had a hit movie or uh show in three weeks like, yes hey, you're not relevant anymore and you know it it means a little something to me but it's not what drives me it's also awfully nebulous it's yeah. awfully vague like rel what does that mean relevant? yeah like what what are you talking about? I mean, I know that there are people out there in the world that that like what I do. And I, what drives me is doing the things that I like, that I know that I'm good at, that I know will make other people happy. That's that's it. So you have your fans. You can sell out Carnegie Hall. Literally, yeah. you've sold out Carnegie Hall. Yeah. So that's pretty good. And I think the American thing is like you have to be growing. Constant growth yeah. every quarter. And if you're not doing that, you once you start questioning it, you're like, what what am I doing? Like, what is this? I, I've re I've reached the end game, and now I'm just playing the side quests. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And and do you do you are they satisfying? Yeah, it it is. I mean, um, I don't say that as a challenge. I say that as like <laughs> hopeful because I don't. It you know, there's no, there's not a lot of graceful ways to sort of age in america yeah but you know i at this point i've, I've already released more albums than the beatles so I, i'm done again I'm another done. way in which you've defeated them <laughs> um and right but do you know what i mean like what do you what what do you consider the side quest at this point yeah just doing other things like I, i've always wanted to do more tv and movies stuff like that that i've always been interested in but i've just never uh had the time or the opportunity to, to do it and I, mean, I, I still love you know doing um doing music and i still love touring and i'll continue doing Do that you, you could have you ever tried like scoring or you know what i mean like like purely music in media uh and musical i could i could probably i you know doing doing a musical is something that's kind of been on my bucket list because because uh, you know at some point i there's nothing in the works right now but it was something you know lin-manuel miranda came to my house before hamilton and we were trying to knocking ideas together like we should do a musical together and it hasn't come around yet but we're still close friends and you know who knows down the line uh but that's something that you know maybe someday yeah. who knows or, or just score or just like scoring like I, I, I could score it but you know there's so many other people in the world that do that better like at this point in my life it sort of feels like oh the learning curve is too steep i would let's leave that to somebody else yeah we have another block ladies and gentlemen i'm getting uh -oh. i'm getting another block Ooh, it's a big one this is a, that's a water break <laughs> pretty great marco shout out to marco rubio it's like the one the president laid out tonight The choice isn't just between big government or big business. Dread of mortality. Y yeah. What, what are you so afraid of, Ken? You know, <laughs> well, I think everybody has a bit of that. I mean, I don't think Absolutely. I'm unusual. I'm unusual. Uh, my, my, my wife is uh, a lot more open about it. I mean, like we'd be filling out our, our wills or what something like that. And, it, you know, it, it makes me uncomfortable. And, and my wife is totally fine with it. She'll... Um, She'll say, oh, so, you know, just random everyday conversation. So well, when you die, do you want to be buried or cremated? And I'd say, I, I don't know, surprise me, you know. Great. Also, <laughs> why is she bringing that up at Wait, breakfast? You know, at breakfast, you know let me I mean? have my orange juice first. Please. Uh, is she is she more concerned with it than you are? Probably. I mean, she's like, like what am I going to do with all your crap when you're dead? <laughs> that's what she wants to know. Do you want a Weird Al Museum? Well, that's what you, you get for dating a woman 30 years younger than you. Yeah. That's Hollywood for you. Um, <laughs> did you, and are you, what do you think happens? What do you, when, when, you a, die? When, a, when a man or woman dies? Well, um, Keanu Reeves had a beautiful answer when he was asked this on, on Stephen Colbert's show. And I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing roughly, but I believe he said, um, you decompose slowly and you're eaten by worms and maggots and uh, microscopic organisms. And then you go to heaven. Did he say that? Maybe. Let's say that he did. Um, rest in peace, Keanu Reeves. I didn't know he died. But um, <laughs> did, but do, what, do, are, do you believe in... Uh, are you spiritual at all? Uh, sure, yes. Do you... <laughs> uh, do you believe that you w something will happen? 
Uh, that's my belief. I, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I feel a little, a little just outside of my comfort zone, but I, I will say that, uh, I, I, I'd like to think that a religion and science can coexist. Oh, you think I'm trying to get you on to like commit to something. I, I was an atheist until like two or three years ago. So I'm not, what happened? uh, ayahuasca. Oh, I just kept drinking <laughs> MDMA. ayahuasca, MDMA, ayahuasca and DMT. Um, <laughs> uh, basically. I mean, I basically had a spiritual experience, which I'd never had before. Hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. You just, I just needed something. Yeah. And I'm not an atheist anymore. But I don't know. I don't think it's uh, a sign of a lack of intelligence. Yeah. If you do believe in something like that. Thank uh, you. Like, a, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not like, idiot. And but, <laughs> but I feel like you're skirting the line. You don't want to be on the side of, you don't want to lose fans. Um, but you already lost him because of your gun, because of the gun, <laughs> the gun locker. Um, all right. What have you done in life that has helped your mental health? <sighs> and it, this could, doesn't have to be recently. It could just be like things that you remember being like, well, oh, I feel better well, now. Well, then, and this, this kind of ties into the mortality thing because my, my wife helped me out because I, one of my diseases is I'm a, I'm a hoarder for my whole life. And I think I had it for my dad. That's a fucking... That's a block, Al. Oh yeah, we could have yeah, used side this. block. Side block. That's a that would have been on a main. That would have been on the main. Okay, feed. let's start over. Porter. All right. Hey, <laughs> welcome to blocks, ladies and gentlemen. Um, do so. I so 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 part of that is like you know there there's a number of reasons there's a number of ways you can confront your sense of mortality. You can like write like you're running out of time, like Lynn would say, uh, which you know I kind of feel like I've done that. I'm you know I'm good there. Uh, or you could just kind of give up, you know, which like, and I, I, that's not what I do, but I, I've had the impulses like, you know, why should I learn French or yeah. do, the, do the dishes? I'll be dead in 30 or 40 years. Let's deploy, sure. you know, yeah, let's wait it out. But, but the, 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 <laughs> but the main thing is it makes you focused on like what's important in your life. And my wife helped me with this because when we got married 22 years ago, she found out that I had not thrown away a single shirt that I've ever owned in my life. There were like from, from high school life. from, well, maybe, maybe when I was a kid, but like I, I had shirts that I wore in high school and she went through everything and, and she kept some of the high school. She wore some of my high school shirts look pretty hot, but, uh, but she kind of went through all of my stuff and thinned it out. And, um, I still don't know how people have, like live these minimal minimalist lifestyles where they have big houses with nothing in them. Like, yeah, I still kind of don't get that because we always have piles somewhere. Uh, the, you but it's tough. meaning we humans or or you and me, your wife? My, me, my wife and I, yeah. Um, okay, and what do you, and so you think you're hoarding just as a nervous tick against mortality? Maybe, I mean, it, maybe a little the way I was raised because my parents grew up during the Depression and, you know, sort of like, you know, you don't want to throw away that moth-eaten sock, it could come in handy sometime. I know, my mom's still like, my mom's saves every it's yeah and i get it like yeah. i get how they got that way but and, and when my parents passed you know we spent uh, my wife Suzanne and i spent weeks going through their house and garage cleaning it out i mean it was just did like, you find the money keep no. going no <laughs> like where's the money <laughs> no it was it was like a lot of stuff like literal literal garbage that, yeah that they would keep you know yeah and you were like, this is so stupid. It's unlike totally different than my garbage. My garbage is great. Well, here's here's there, there are several things. And I I've I've been working on myself, trying to like just keep what's important. Uh, but aside from the shirts and things like that, a tough thing for me to get rid of was fan mail. Because when I I, I up until the early up until the, the well, up until uh, about 20 years ago, I kept every single fan letter I'd ever received because I figured they're fan they're, they're love I get, letters. I get that. They're love letters. I understand letters. that because it feels disrespectful to be like, do you love me? Goodbye. <laughs> right. No, exactly that. And and I read them all. Uh, Did I save your life? Rip, rip, rip. Right. But my, my, my wife made the point like, what are you going to be like 80 years old in the attic reading these letters over and over? Like somebody used to love me. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a man named Michael Jackson and he, he had a song and then I had a, uh, it says here that if I'm ever in town, I can come over for a free meal. Okay. <laughs> here I come. You know? Yeah. And he said, you got a family now. You, you have people that love you and you know, you can let go of that. So I, I had a storage facility 
with literally several dozen beacons boxes full of fan mail and got rid of it in one fell swoop. And it, it hurt because like I said, it's like, I felt, but they said, Oh, those people still love you. They, right. You just don't have their junk. Imagine anymore. how hurt they are having yeah. heard this. Yeah. That so, it's so, all gone. So now I just, you know, I, I still read the fan mail and I keep maybe one or two. Per- I keep the ones that say your music stopped me from killing myself. Like, okay, I'll keep that one. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. And Instagram messages and all that stuff. Like yeah. just the, the, that, that's, I, that's a horde that I understand because it does feel disrespectful to, yeah to like someone's actually like, it's a pain. It's it. They, you must've really touched them, especially male mm-hmm. Instagram messages and all that stuff. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah I, I assume most people that Instagram me are drunk. <laughs> or on drugs. And I think that's pretty pretty safe to say is true. Um, did you have to leave town? Someone once did a sweep of my house and I was out of town. And and Without uh, you with permission? Yeah, no, she's like, I'm she was like uh house sitting for me. And she uh-huh. was like, I'm getting rid of your shit. And I was like, What are you talking about? And she's like, it, there's so much shit here that you do not need and, literal feces? Say again. Literal feces in her uh not after the sweep okay um no but she and and i had i she sent me a few photos like do you need this and i was like no you get rid of it but i were you with her when she was doing it oh yeah so you i I, I would you try to defend it and then be like what am i yeah yeah the the one thing uh, this the one thing i'm still blocking is uh she was like do you really need all your cds like you've got you've got all the music on your computer, you can stream it. You like the and that's that's my one holdout. Like I, I need the jewel boxes. Like don't touch the CDs. Are you listening to them? No. <laughs> I know. I, know, you I, mean. Know, I mean, again, I it's like bookshelves. I know. Why do we keep? I mean, bookshelves are more like trophy cases in a weird way. They're right. like intellectual. They're like, huh? yeah, uh-huh. 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 you see what I did? <laughs> um, whereas CDs is a bit like. I know. Where are they? Uh, in the CD closet. Okay. As long as they're, they're out, of, out of they're out of sight. But no, every you know, virtually everything that you keep, you don't need. No, really. No. And I'm slowly learning that, but it's taken a lifetime to kind of like understand. Yeah. And you're still planning on being buried with all of your things. Yeah. But dump all right? the CDs in the casket with yeah, me. Yeah. Just fucking. Yeah. With a fucking. <laughs> ah, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Goodbye, Earth. Um. Okay, and you've gotten a little better at that. Anything else that you've gotten a little bit better with uh, at in life? Just time. I mean, that that's like stuff, and time is another thing because um, I used to say yes to virtually everything uh, because, like, oh, this will be good for your career. That's yeah. a lot of eyeballs. People will see you. Yes. That's a lot of money. That'll be good. Yes. And now I don't do virtually anything unless I think, oh, that sounds like fun. That's that's great, and you know, I'm, it's, it's nice to be at that point in my life. Like Daniel Radcliffe is already at that point in his life because he made a ton of money. He got incredibly super famous, yeah, and now he just does whatever he feels like. And and I'm certainly not on his level, but uh, but yeah, it's nice nice because now you know I, I feel like I can just live my life just kind of doing what I want. Did it feel? Uh, sometimes I can feel a little disconnected. Do you know what I mean? Like if you don't, it's it's a unique situation. And I feel like human beings are so used to just surviving. Like mm-hmm. I need food, I need shelter, and like that's our mission for the day. Uh huh. So what do you consider your mission now? Just enjoyment? Oh, that sounds pretty hedonistic, doesn't it? But uh... no, no, no. It's n- I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'm sure you're fucking <laughs> and doing a ton of MDMA. <laughs> um, but I'm. But but not even hedonistic. I don't think it needs to be hedonistic. I'm asking because. Enjoying my, life, enjoying my life, enjoying my life, enjoying my loved ones and, yeah. and help, helping make them happy, doing what I love. I mean, I know that was working out for me. No, that's great. I just wonder, did you ever feel like, do you ever feel a little untethered or is it just like it I, always, but <laughs> right, yeah. I lean into that. Yeah. Great. Um, and what, I think I know the answer, but what is your goal for yourself like what's your ultimate dream for yourself it's always been to uh, to do this interview with you and i kind of feel like after this it's you know i i have no goals left steve-o ladies and gentlemen 